Welcome to episode four of the Informing Choices mini pod. Now, as our world changes, so does the way we consume information, which is an impact on how we communicate. So this episode is all about the future of PR, and I'm delighted to welcome PR consultant Isla O'Hara to the podcast. Isla, welcome along. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, where you do it, your business. Thank you, Steve. Well, firstly, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. As you said, I'm an independent PR consultant, and what I do is I help clients build and manage their reputation. I help them articulate their purpose with clarity and effectively engage with their stakeholders so that they can optimize their performance and achieve their business aspirations. I have a particular interest in emerging trends and the future of communications and how all of the changes and the ad adoption of innovative technology is going to affect the way we communicate with one another. And one of the things that we were just talking about is around the COVID pandemic, and, and this is coming up pretty much every time, not surprisingly, I suppose. Um, and you know, we were saying about how the pandemic has accelerated, for example, the use of technology. So, you know, when you think about how COVID has changed the PR landscape, what do you see? Oh, I see a number of things. I mean, this world has, you know, this year has been just one of one of change. I mean, when you start off with the beginning of the year, the pandemic hit us. Uh, communications, planned communications, marketing and advertising communications campaigns had to be scrapped or had to be re rewritten. So P the PR world had to be increasingly agile. We're pretty agile as it is because we are at the coalface of companies and their consumers. So we are, if you like that, that um, the receiver of the messaging and how it's received. So we have to be at the forefront of understanding uh, the mood and the perception. And of course, that's changed throughout the year. Um, the way we've worked has changed. I mean, we're all working at home now. So most of our communications are taking place on um, through a tiny screen. And that changes the way that we communicate. We're all learning how to effectively get our message across through video conferencing and all as well as that we see a different side of ourselves as well because we're seeing into our homes and yeah. we you know we are having to have you know quite intense detailed business related discussion and you may have a child running in behind you that wants a biscuit or the dog is going to bark at the postman so I think that we have to be more receptive. And I think this is maybe one of the positive things that companies have to be more in tune with how their employees are feeling right. and have to take more positive steps maybe to just check in with them and ask them how they're feeling on that day. And of course they have to balance that with making sure that whilst we're all working from home, the productivity levels are, you know, as, as, uh, as they would have been before. But I think what's really been interesting is the way we are consuming our media and, and our messaging. And you alluded to this in the introduction to your question. You know, we have been at home and I, you know, we can see from data that's coming out now that our consumption of TV has gone up, both linear and on-demand TV. We can see that our consumption of newspapers, both online, digital media and in press has also increased. But I think what has been really interesting is the trust factor that we have in the information that we're receiving. And I, I, I expect we'll talk more about this. But what's been interesting is data is starting to show that our trust in the traditional 
channels and the traditional news outlets is increasing and our trust in social media has decreased. So what do, let's, let's talk about that now. So what do you think is behind that? Are there any kind of significant events or um, uh, significant people perhaps or organisations that have driven that change in trust of uh, social media? Because at one point it seemed to be that that's the place that everyone went for their real information. So what's changed? Oh, I think it's been a number of factors. I think because COVID is, is so important and there is... And, and you'll remember there was a, a you know a wealth of um, on the one side you had our prime minister flanked on either side by uh, medical professionals and and si giving us the scientific data. So the posi positioning of the comms all around COVID was driven with science that this was important um, and decisions were being made as a result of science. And that theme has stayed through and that gives us assurance in the message it's not just a government minister telling us what to do no. so it gives that depth and resonance to the messaging you know we've never had daily briefings like that before okay. in in peacetime so that was new alongside that we had social media who were well blamed really i think for a lot of the misinformation that was being communicated about COVID. And I think that we may see this with the advent of the vaccines coming in. And we've already seeing uh, ministers uh, and government officials saying that we have to counter the negativity around vaccines. So I think the information and how we receive it and the trust that we put into the messaging that we're given and the people that are delivering. And I think that's the other thing that has changed. It's not necessarily so much about the news outlet anymore. Uh, we are seeing increasingly, it's actually about the person who's delivering that message. We're seeing journalists uh, consistently commenting on the same type of news feed. So we get to trust that journalist. We know that that journalist is an expert in their field and we come to trust in that and in a, in a world where there is an awful lot of misinformation you know how do we know that the information we're getting is correct and i think that we have to go back to the established and traditional news channels so does that play into how you might think pr strategy and execution in the future might evolve how how might things look similar to what we see now and how might things look different I think that the trust that we have in traditional news channels will stay. The relationship that particularly PRs have with individual journalists can only deepen. We've seen that deepen during, during the year. You know, we, we work together. They need the information and we can provide that, that information. I think that what definitely will happen is the use of data-driven insights so that we, we, we will be using them to inform the type of messaging that we, uh, that we are developing. And we'll also be using a lot more to evaluate the impact um, of that messaging. I mean, there is no doubt that the world, uh, digital media and the advances in technology are making communications and the, the channels that we're using a lot more complex. This is compounded by the speed at which news travels. I mean, we have, everyone has the devices. I mean, I think I was reading this morning that more people in the world will have a mobile phone than will have access to running water and electricity, such is our reliance on technology. So that news alert that comes through on your phone, that's, that's what you're going to, uh, that's what you're going to believe. But I, I think 
for me, one of the huge uh, considerations, if you like, is going to be this element of trust. Mm-hmm. This, this factor of honesty and transparency. You know, we're not all going to get it right all of the time. But I think if we explain how we've reached that decision, that we communicate with empathy, if you like, you know, we we do put people at the heart of our communications because we are going to be communicating to people. You know, we're not going to be communicating to robots, clearly, in, in the same way. And I think that we have to keep honesty and transparency accountability and authenticity at the heart of our communications because at the end of the day consumers are savvy you know they are intelligent they're going to know if they are not getting the right information if there's flannel or waffle and I think that consumers themselves are going to be very critical of companies who don't if you like want of a better expression walk the talk yeah if they say they're doing something, they need to demonstrate it. They need to do that. They need to live by the principles that they're vocalizing. Yeah. Sounds like the, you know, you're really saying that authenticity is really important. And yet one of the things that I've been talking to other people about recently is how difficult it is for government at the moment to be truly authentic and open about mm. some of the things that they're trying to do around COVID. Because if they say something as a fact and it's proven to be wrong by external events. Then they get crucified for um, uh, for doing that by the media as well. So there's a kind of an inbuilt system reluctance, I think, to sometimes be as authentic as perhaps it would be ideal if people would be. It's like the whole system needs to change about Mm. how it regards authenticity. No, I, I think you're right. And I think that it's interesting when you're analysing the government messaging at the moment, because you've got people already now. I mean, when when this goes out, um, you know, we've got two weeks to the end of national lockdown in the, on the 2nd of December. You know, media and uh, you know, pe- we are asking, are we going to come out of lockdown on the 2nd of December? And I think that w- this is where honesty comes in, because we don't know. And I think that it's for me, it's been refreshing that ministers have been saying the data isn't available yet for us to be able to make an informed decision. And they've stuck to this theme throughout. And I think that has been a good thing. You know, they have relied on the data and yes, we need to make decisions and we all have to prepare and we need notice in order to be able to prepare. And there's, there is always going to be that balance. And I think that this is where the honesty and the transparency and the communication helps yeah. with trying to be authentic in your messaging. Cause it's difficult. We don't know. No, no, that's right. Not knowing is a very difficult message to yeah. sell and to, uh, to believe, I suppose, isn't it? Um, one of the things that, that, um, that I wanted to touch on as well is uh, has demographics and how evolving demographics is kind of influencing PR strategy and execution and particularly into the future. What are your thoughts there? Oh, this is really interesting because for me, we're living in a world where there's going to, there is an increasingly older generation uh, and that older generation is staying in the workplace longer. Alongside this, you have a rising uh, generation of younger people who are entering the marketplace and also they're entering the marketplace a few years later than in previous Mm -hmm. generations. So you have that compounded by the fact that the younger generation are very digitally savvy you know just not in terms of their knowledge but also almost in their demand 
to be using technology. If they see a particularly process-driven operation, they're going to be at the forefront of thinking, how can we make this better? How can we streamline this? How can we work more efficiently, not necessarily harder? So you have the two ends of the spectrum. And, and I think what has been interesting is that for those members of society, whether they be older or for whatever reason, struggle to adopt the new technology, they are at risk of becoming disenfranchised. And I think that, you know, as a society, we have a role to make sure that, you know, that that doesn't happen or that we mitigate the, mitigate the, the effects of, of that. So I think moving forward, it is going to be very interesting. But I think that this, for me, has been one of the big interesting uh, elements and the impacts of COVID in the sense that the older generation this year, because of COVID, we've seen a rapid uptake in their willingness to learn the new technology. You know, they are more open to Skype and Zoom because they see the value of it and they see the importance. So their knowledge and adoption of new technology, I think, has grown fast this year. So then if we start to move a bit further forward into the future, how do you see technology will support, drive um, evolutionary changes in how we communicate, um, how we receive messages, how we consume information? I think there, there is no doubt that the rapid advance, particularly in artificial intelligence, will have a significant factor in communications and well, the whole organizational decision making process and how we communicate that. Um, Data-driven insights determine audiences' attitudes and opinions, uh, and this will be used to shape messaging. You know, huge amounts of data are already being collected and organizations are using this to predict consumers' future preferences and behavior, as well as using them to be able to serve us faster and smarter. But on the slightly negative side of that, organizations can use and influence and manipulate consumers subtly and covertly and lead them to a place they may not have chosen to go had they not had access to the intelligence that comes from that data. So I think in public relations, we're in the middle of that space. We utilize the power of persuasion for a range of areas, including sales, service uptake, political campaigns, behavior change, and compliance. So profiling people for their data, for improved communication and messaging and delivery, targeting, if you like, is relatively easy but a huge area of controversy and I think on top of that as well is almost the potential for misuse of legitimate AI assisted tools to misinform or even disinform um, and I think you know how do we use this information and I think with any emerging technology AI creates new tools. This has opportunities for us to work smarter, um, not necessarily harder, but it does come with risks and ethical dilemmas, such as determining clear ethical standards and practices to ensure that artificial intelligence is used correctly and implemented in a way that doesn't cause reputational damage but re or reinforcing um, or reinforces existing biases and divisions. You know, at the end of the day, machines can get things wrong because they rely on humans to get it right. Ethics is not only about avoiding mistakes. It's about doing the right thing for the right reasons and being determined to do no deliberate harm. And I think 
these are huge areas as we move forward. Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. There's, 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 I don't think there's time for us to address the question right now. Um, but one of the things that immediately popped into my mind was what we might consider as right, wrong, um, and the ethics of the automation of content generation, uh, because uh, you know there is certainly a lot of work that's going on right now that shows artificial intelligence as increasingly creative. Yeah. Um, and maybe they appear at the appearance of content generation for news items yeah. is, a, is an interesting challenge around authenticity in the future. Um, Absolutely. But I, I think as PR professionals, we have a role to ask the right questions. You know, it's our job almost uh, to be the conscience of a company, to ask the questions of the tech team uh, and almost to make sure that we get the results and you know to get the results that uh, that we need you know it's our it's our job to work in the public interest to operate with integrity honesty truth and fact-based communication um to be transparent as we've as we've talked about earlier i think that's a really powerful um uh, sentiment to uh, to end on that uh, you know the communications has to be ethical has to be authentic has to be honest and we have to be asking the right questions to make sure that happens isla that's been absolutely fantastic um tell us how people can contact you to learn more about what you do people can find me on linkedin at Isla O'Hara. Isla is spelt with a Y. I know that's not uh, very common. Uh, or they can find me at Twitter at Isla O. So please reach out to me. I'm more, more than happy to continue the conversation. Isla, thanks very much indeed for your time today. That was wonderful. Thank you, Steve.